0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Transatlanticist at the American Centrum in Hamburg. I am your host, Andrew Sola. Our topic for today is entrepreneurship. What are the secrets to the success of Silicon Valley and the startup scene in Israel? What makes one startup successful and another fail? To answer all of these questions and more, I am very happy to welcome today's transatlanticist, Gidon Marks. Welcome, Mr. Marks.
1: Thank you very much. A real pleasure
0: being here. Mr. Marks has over 30 years of experience leading companies from inception through initial public offerings and beyond. He studied economics at the University of Tel Aviv, where he also did his MBA. He cut his teeth in the early tech startup culture in Israel in the 1990s, and he led three companies to their initial public offerings on the NASDAQ. In 2001, he moved from Israel to Silicon Valley in order to learn more about the entrepreneurial environment on the West Coast. Since then, he has had a variety of roles in a number of startups, of which three have been acquired. Recently, he has shifted his focus towards advising and mentoring. And currently he is an anchor mentor at the Google Launchpad Accelerator in California. Mr. Marks, you are here at the American Centrum today to discuss what makes some startups more successful than others, and what is needed to be successful. I'd like to work through these topics systematically, but because we're short of time, maybe we can just start first with the product. What makes a product successful?
1: I would say that uh, the product, or I like to use actually a word called solution, has to be real. And it's got to be a solution to a problem that exists. So an entrepreneur usually should identify some kind of pain point, a problem. And the product is a solution to this pain point. Because if you come just with a product that hasn't got a market, because it doesn't solve any issue, any pain point, probably this product will not be successful.
0: Thank you. So indeed, focusing on a solution helps us to realize that something is actually needed in the world and we are not changing something existing to solve a non-existent problem. Which takes me to uh, a second point that I wanted to make about the team you mentioned in your talk today, that having the right team is so very important. What are some important considerations when assembling a team And I am reminded of a comment from Peter Thiel, I believe, who said, we only work with others because we can't accomplish everything by ourselves.
1: I couldn't uh, say it clearer than him. I think that if you set a team that is comprised of a few girls and guys, and they kind of complement each other, the results will be great. Because one person is always limited in the tasks he or she can achieve. A person never knows better than everybody else. A person usually is an expert, hopefully, in one or two domains. But building a company is not one or two domains. It is about technology. It's about getting traction. And most importantly, it's about execution. And usually, a team can deliver and execute... Is they complement each other, much better than a sole founder.
0: You said that another part of having a good team is sharing or setting the same values. It's yeah. important for a startup to have the same values, so clearly the people you work with need to share those values. I'd like to talk a little bit about ethics in Silicon Valley. So what are some of the values that you would advise a young entrepreneur to start instilling in himself or herself or his company? Because these don't come ready-made, and, and certainly you might have this idea that you want to make the world better. That's a great idea, but how is that changed into a discussion of or a creation of a set of values?
1: So I think in recent years, we had some issues in Silicon Valley, uh, like the... Equality between ladies and gentlemen, uh, discrimination to different races, and things that bother a lot of us living in Silicon Valley and not just in Silicon Valley. And you know, cases like in Uber and some of the VC funds were troubling a lot of people like me who hope that. Startups in Silicon Valley and beyond will share this common practice of not being bad, mean to other type of people. And I think that you're seeing this new trend in Silicon Valley where these issues really surface to the top. I believe that once women began to talk about discrimination... Uh, What happened in Uber, the replacement of a very charismatic CEO by a professional CEO. Uh, Getting new investors to Uber, for instance, despite of all the agony that it provided to its investors and to its employees, is a great sign that people are back to looking at real values and being ethical in their behavior. Now, having said that, I think that we've got to be extremely cautious. I would say that most people in Silicon Valley and other places are great. Most people are nice, honest, ethical. They follow good values. But the challenge is that sometimes some companies cause so much noise, and you pay attention to these companies, and you forget that, thank God, Most of the companies, most people, are actually wonderful. I believe that most startups in Silicon Valley and other places in the world actually are trying to do good. They want to make the world better. And I'm not saying this in a cynical way. I do believe that amongst the young generation, and I'm very blessed to work with entrepreneurs from all over the world, uh, from Asia, South America, and other places, I do believe that most entrepreneurs really want to improve quality of life. I just recently worked with a Bangladesh entrepreneur who is trying to help women in Bangladesh get better advice about medical issues. Think about Bangladesh and think about this platform that will enable women be able to ask questions about things they cannot ask every day. Or a company in South Africa, which is trying to help farmers get better yields and make better products. Lots of good things happen, and I'm very impressed actually with the young generation who's thinking good and how to make a positive impact on the
0: world. You make it almost seem like the old generation maybe did not share those values course cash is king as you said in your talk today and the minimum bet is everything you have if you're the founder or the young 21 year old but you're up against the people with the cash the kings whom sometimes as you said are called vc sharks certainly in a big institution a normal institution immediately there would be rules governing these interactions so my question was you know First of all, is the older generation beginning to sense that maybe being perceived as sharks is bad for how they behave because the younger generation coming up with all the new ideas isn't that demanding better behavior? Or what's, what's going on with this generational divide between the young people who have the values and potentially an older generation who's very sharkish in their understanding of investments and returns?
1: So I don't think it's so black and white. I think that uh, entrepreneurs from 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago were also great people. I don't think VCs are sharks. I think that there is an evolution. And now that software has become the dominant thing in new innovation, I think that... It enables a lot of the young people to code and come with faster solutions. And it's kind of a little bit easier today. You don't need as much resources a lot of times. I think that the VCs are going through structural changes and um, where they're adding also young people who understand the younger generation. I think one of the challenges that I see in Silicon Valley is the big get bigger. So if you look at a young startup, his issue is not VCs, he will get funded. But you look at Facebook, you look at Google, you look at Apple, you look at Cisco. These companies are so big, they've got so much cash, and they can actually buy everything, they're very global, they're extremely international, and they move fast. Unlike in the past, where big companies tended to move fast, slow, these companies in Silicon Valley, the older companies, as we say these days, actually are moving fast, very fast. They've got tons of cash, and they hire the best talent. So I think that things are not so bad in Silicon Valley but I think that we have to pay attention to the big getting bigger but it doesn't stop innovation startups actually continue to come every day and the innovation just continues moving forward I don't think there is a reduction in number of startups. Actually, every year you're seeing more and more startups.
0: Thank you. I want to touch a little bit upon the idea of mentorship. I know you've gone into now mentorship, and as a university professor myself, I find myself constantly being rejuvenated by the students that I have, and I'm sure it's the same with you. What are some lessons you've learned from mentoring some of these uh, students you've had. You mentioned the one person in Bangladesh, which was a fascinating story. Do you have some other examples you would like to talk about?
1: I think that the biggest uh, observation that I'm seeing through my mentorship and coaching, uh, giving talks all over the world, is uh, that innovation, entrepreneurship, is all over the world. There's no difference between people coming from Bangladesh, Vietnam, Silicon Valley, Germany and other countries. The young generation all over the world is extremely passionate. They want to make a change and it's a wonderful sign for hopefully a great future. I'm very blessed to work with these people because suddenly I'm exposed as a mentor. I give a lot to these young entrepreneurs, but actually I get as much. I get to see amazing young people, usually it's young people, that are operating in so many geographies, and they're not thinking just about making money. They're more focused on making an impact, making a change, which will make the world better. That's one of the greatest gifts I, as a mentor, get daily.
0: Thank you. If I can change the focus quickly to two thoughts on European issues. First, privacy. Europeans are, in general, very distrustful of their data being held in the hands of big tech companies. The EU in Brussels has implemented fairly strict legislation to regulate the privacy policies of U.S. tech giants like Google and Facebook. Do you have any concerns about data privacy? Do you have any thoughts about this issue?
1: It's a great question. I'm not so paranoid about it because I think once we began to use Facebook, Google, Yahoo in the past, we actually gave up on our privacy. And... Once you write an email, once you send a WhatsApp, whatever, you lost your privacy. By using your uh, credit card, you lost your privacy. Someone knows on your location. I'm not concerned about it because I believe I'm an honest guy. And I think that if the EU takes this to an extreme, it may actually block some of the benefits a lot of people can gain. So I think that both sides are going to extreme. I think the EU has to realize that people gave up on their privacy years ago, when they began to use the Googles and the Facebook and even credit cards, as I mentioned. On the other hand, the big companies have to make the highest efforts and beyond To see that they do not take data about their users and misuse it. And for instance, if some of the concerns we have in the U.S. today following the last elections are right, then there is an issue here. And hopefully Google and Facebook and companies like them will be smarter and more cautious of letting bots and manipulating countries uh, do stuff. So I think both parties, whether it's the government, the EU here, but also the companies, have to put more and more positive thinking. How do we collaborate? The fact that the EU imposes uh, penalties non-stop on Google and alike I don't think it's a positive thing. I think that they've got to go into discussions and find what is the real issue. What is really concerning us as human beings about our privacy? You cannot expect to benefit every day from doing searches on Google, using their email system, using their location-based maps, and think that this can be given to you without knowing stuff about you. So we have to find the balance, I believe, between these two issues.
0: Fascinating. The second issue I would like to discuss that affects Europe, and especially Germany, is Industry 4.0. This is the Internet of Things and the increase in automation and artificial intelligence. So here in Germany there is growing anxiety about the massive loss of jobs that will occur in the next 20 years. Due to AI and machine learning. For example, self-driving technology will put tens of thousands of German truck drivers out of work, probably very soon. As a consequence, the German government is actively trying to come up with solutions. What are some of the ways governments can alleviate some of the social effects of disruption from companies that indeed are in Israel and Silicon Valley? Valley.
1: Uh, It's it's a great question, and honestly, I wish I knew what to answer. But as you alluded, it is not the first revolution. We had a lot of revolutions before, and mankind is actually overcoming these issues. So the way I hope the world will be in the future, we cannot stop the technology moving forward, but hopefully we'll see hybrid between human the human uh, humans and artificial intelligence it's not one versus the other but we've got to be also honest that there will be a situation where we will see more and more people losing jobs i know that there are some discussions about some kind of taxes that may be imposed on those companies And we'll find, we'll have to find probably some kind of a way to distribute these taxes amongst the population. And it is a big issue because is it socialism versus capitalism? It's a very serious topic. I still don't know the right solution. Hopefully, we'll see, as I said, a hybrid between human beings and artificial intelligence. And hopefully, the governments together with the academia, will come to some kind of new wealth distribution. So we will help those who will be fired and lose their jobs, and they won't be able to change their jobs. Maybe the next generation will have new jobs, but we will have an issue of transitioning time. Well, Hopefully they'll come with some kind of a solution where we help these people to find a decent future, but we are not able to block the evolution.
0: The the critical issue, and you mentioned it in your talk earlier. One of the values that really needs to then be instilled in all of these companies is finding win win situations. Yeah. You can be a disruptor and a successful one, but it might be appropriate to also realize when you disrupt something, it has social effects. So figuring out how to offset some of your disruption with other things?
1: Well, I'm a a believer in win-win situation, but I'm also, I do not believe that you can stop evolution, new ideas. Government cannot block entrepreneurs with their desire to disrupt the old world, the incumbents. I, I wouldn't interfere too much unless... You're doing evil things. I think that we have to be supporting disruption because when you disrupt the old economy, you create new jobs, new positions, which hopefully will be better. I'm very cautious about these things. I don't think that I have enough knowledge about how the world will look in 5, 10, 15 years. And I see a lot of positive things like autonomous cars in San Francisco, cities like San Francisco. Yes, it will take some of the taxi drivers out of business. But on the other hand, maybe it will make people go out more, enjoy theaters. Maybe we'll see new type of services provide provided by other people. You'll see a shift between groups. Uh, We just hope that... uh, Things will go t- on the right way. And by the way, there are differences between countries. Silicon Valley or the U.S. may behave differently from some of the European countries because Europeans look at things a little differently from Americans. And it's not a bad thing, actually. So I'm, I'm not pessimistic about these disruptions. And I hope that the young generation is also... Paying attention to what I regard as being ethical, having good values. It's not about putting people out of jobs. It is about making the world
0: better. I have one final question that I ask all of my guests. There are extremely important issues that all of my guests are interested in that aren't getting enough attention in their fields. My question to you, Mr. Marks, what is not getting enough attention in Silicon Valley?
1: I would love Silicon Valley to be, perhaps, less self-centered and share its knowledge with other regions in the world. I think that when I look at the young people in San Francisco, like my kids, you will have an app that will take you from one place to the other another app that brings you the best food to your home, another app that will do your laundry for you. And we live in a kind of a bubble and we forget that these are great solutions to kind of very limited problems. I would love Silicon Valley to try and solve also other problems in the world. So I mentioned this company from Bangladesh, which I really admire the the founder of trying to help Bangladesh women or other startups that I've seen lately through Google Launchpad Accelerator. I do hope that we in Silicon Valley will be focused also on helping a lot of these countries that are trying to take their population forward. Maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe a lot of these startups that are in Silicon Valley are doing this. But if we're doing this, I would like to see this in higher quantity.
0: Well, Mr. Marks, you shared your wonderful insights with us in Hamburg here today, and we're very grateful. Thank you again.
1: Thank you for having me, and have a wonderful weekend.
0: Thank you.